Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. I will be brief because it is hot, okay? So I will, we will go quickly. But Matthew chapter number 22, we are moving into our um, third and final section of, um, of our renewing uh, our, our Christian Mind series that we've been doing on Wednesday night. And so um, we have been kind of looking at some practical approaches to some things. And so tonight will be um, the first lesson of our new section. So we started with, what was the first word that we started with? Re- starts with an R. Restrict. Good. Here, I have one candy bar. Who said that? Savannah. Savannah. Nice. All right. Restrict. And then we said, what was the second one? Refocus. Don't have a candy bar. There you go. Um, And then what is the last one? Renew. So here's here's kind of uh, what we are focusing on tonight, and that is renewing our root or renewing our roots. Now I'm going to explain that to you in just a second. Um, But here is kind of the goal of where we are right now and what we've been kind of talking through. So when we talk about the Christian mind, I'm going to loosen my tie because this shirt is tight and because it's hot up here and just lots of problems. All right. So I'm going to get it as wide open as I can. Matt gives me a hard time because I will still have a tie on at like three o'clock in the afternoon and he's like how do you still have your tie on and i was like well i don't like when my shirt like gapes open so i keep a tie on just to keep my shirt like in a normal location okay um but uh we have been talking about restricting refocusing and then as we move into renewal here's what i want you to understand we talk about our minds uh renewal is by far the most tedious process Renewal is also the process that is completely up to God and very rarely up to you. The goal of the first two thoughts that we have shared is that by restricting, taking things out of your mind, refocusing, putting what God would have you to focus on in your mind, that it will give your mind and your spirit and your heart time for renewal, okay? So if you say, you know what, I don't really like what social media is doing to me. Um, I'm going to fast from it for 30 days. And the time that I spent on social media, I'm going to take those 30 days and I'm going to uh, read a book or I'm going to learn a new skill or whatever. Okay, I'm going to refocus myself. The goal is that by the end of those 30 days, you will have a renewed aspect for social media okay now that I'm coming back to it which by the way I heard some good advice the other day and maybe I've shared it in here uh, before in regards to social media and how to maybe handle it and re- monitor it and regulate it um, take a break from your phone and all digital devices for one hour a day one day a week one or yeah one uh, one month a year and then one year a decade so 
Um, maybe take some time to, how many of you are like, social media for no digital devices for a whole year? Maybe not the digital devices, but social media, um, taking a break from it at least one hour a day. So going like reading a book, reading your Bible, one hour a day, one day a week, one month a year, and then one year a decade. And so I don't even know, has the social media been out for a decade? So we probably haven't actually had a year without it. But uh, anyways, um, so that is something that you can apply. But the goal in all that is this is that you would be able to take it and be able to say during this time that I have restricted and I have refocused, God has been doing a renewing process in my life to where I don't want to return to old habits. I don't want to return to an old way of thinking. And so that leads us to lesson number eight and possibly the most uh, relevant and uh, and applicable one uh, that we will have in this series. And so we will look at Matthew chapter number 22. Uh, let's begin reading in verse number 34. Begin reading in verse number 34, okay? We're going to read a popular verse out of verse 37 uh, many times as I have learned and maybe even shared in here. I think that sometimes one of the failures of the Christian life and at least the way that we popularize verses is that we don't always understand the context. And so many of you, when you see Matthew 22, verse 37, you'll be like, oh, I know that verse. But most of us do not understand or remember, maybe would be a better word, that Matthew 22, verse 37 is actually given in the context of a rebuttal to a Pharisee. And so let's look at the context in Matthew chapter number 22, verse 34. The Bible says this, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. So basically, these two enemies of Jesus Christ, the Sadducees, Jesus has basically gotten them to the point to where they are silenced. He's, he's answered all their questions. He's rebuked them. He has uh, basically given a rebuttal to everything that they have to say. And so now the Pharisees kind of have to step their game up. So verse 35, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So he's asking him about Old Testament law. He says, Which is the great commandment in the law? Verse number 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. He says this in verse 38, This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Verse number 40 is so powerful, and here's why. He says that if you can't get this right, you're not going to get the other commands right. We've all heard different numbers. I think the one that I've heard the most is 513 or 613 commands that are given in Scripture. I can't think of it off the top of my head. We've all heard the number of commands that are given in Scripture. We've all heard people talk about the, the commandments of the, of, uh, the Ten Commandments and, and how many more there are in Scripture and that, that that's the reason why that we need Jesus Christ because there's no way that we can keep all of those. Okay, All of those commands, here's what Jesus does. He sums it up. He says, if you can't get this one right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the rest if you can't understand this one. And so tonight as we move into the renewing aspect, here's what I want you to see is that we must renew our roots. Renew our roots. What is the whole thing that makes this Christian life go round? And according to Matthew 22, verse 37, it is a love for God. So let's pray and we'll get through this. Um, and sweat it out together. How about that? All right, let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. Lord, thank you that you are a God that is lovable. 
Lord, you are a God that, um, Lord, you want us to come back to you. You're a God that pursues us. Lord, as we'll see in just a moment in Deuteronomy 6, you are a jealous God. And Lord, for many of us, that may sound like something that is negative, but God, you are a good God, and so you know that our relationship with you and our love for you is actually what is best for us. And so may we never stray from that, may we never uh, run from that, but may we understand that we can get a lot of the commands of Scripture right and yet fail to understand this, this command to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind as we study tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, as most of you know, a couple of months ago, my wife and I, we moved, on to, uh, moved into a little bit of a fixer-upper house and um, sits on like a little bit under five acres. And so um, needless to say, the yard work has been a little bit overwhelming for me um, as I have gotten into it. And one of the things that I have found is that if you don't take care of the root of something, it will come back pretty easily. In fact, I have a little burn pile that kind of sits over to the side of uh, our garden. And then I had a little bush or a tree or something that I had uh, chopped down. And uh, every time I would mow, I would see the root system uh, of something that I had chopped down in the burn pile and over uh, by the tree and the little bush that I had chopped down. And I would think to myself, man, I need to come over here and take that, take that out. Um, nothing was really going on with it. I was just more afraid that I would hit it with the mower. Well, so this summer, um, I don't know who has been sneaking to, into my house and putting miracle Grow all over everything that I own, but it seems as though I can't get stuff trimmed up quick enough. I can't seem to get stuff done. And so it just seems like that it was almost overnight. I was looking out the back window and I was thinking, I don't really remember there being a tree there. Like, I don't remember there being something that big. I don't remember. I thought I chopped down that bush and I had let a root grow long enough to the point to where I actually had to go and start all over and work on chopping those two items down just last night. And as I was doing it, I kind of knew the direction I was going to go tonight. And I was thinking, you know what? If you never come back and take the root of something out, then it's going to give it an opportunity to still grow. Now, in the Christian life, we can take that illustration, we can look at it negatively, that if you never get the root of sin out of your life, if you, if you never focus on who you are in Christ and your identity in Christ and how He gives you victory over sin, then that root will continue to fester, it will continue to grow. Or you can look at it like this. You can look at the root of your Christian life as being your love for God. And if you never uproot that, if you never forsake that, if you never depart from that root, then it always has potential to grow. But here's what we so often do. Very rarely do we ever go and give care to the root to make sure that it is growing, to make sure that it is actually has an environment to where it can grow. And tonight as we move into this third and final phase of our series of renewing, here's what I want you to see is that as you focus on your mind, if you're at a point to where you say, you know what, my mind is struggling, my mind is distracted, my mind is maybe being tempted, my mind is maybe struggling with discouragement, my mind is struggling with depression, my mind is struggling with anxiety, my mind is struggling with whatever, you fill in the blank. When you look at that, here's what I would encourage you to do, is to renew or return to the root that can actually overtake that. 
If you let the root of something grow long enough, what will happen? How many of you have ever seen a plant that has overtaken something? You see in a house that has vines that are growing all over it, or you see a tree that has maybe vines that are growing all around it because the root of something has overtaken it. And if you can create your life in a way to where it is a greenhouse for your Christian life to grow and for that root to be cared for, for it to be able to spread, for it to be able to overtake other areas, what you will find is this. You will find that loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind is not just a command that is there for your safety, it is actually something that is there for your enjoyment. You see, many times we look at something like uh, verse number 37, and we'll get into this a little bit more in our first point here. We look at something like verse number 37, and we think like, well, why would God tell me to love him? That must, he, he must be so egotistical. He must be so arrogant. He must, be, he must just really think he's something. I actually had a conversation one time, one of the first years that I, um, one of the, in, within the first year of me teaching this class, I had a conversation with a young adult, and he actually asked me that question. He said, why would God tell me to love him? That just sounds so arrogant. And I was like, I never thought of it that way, but I can see where you're coming from. And I said, well, if, they, if God is good, then why would he not tell us to love him? And so the first thing that I want you to understand under this thought of renewing your root, how does that happen? How do you get back to what you know is this way? First of all, understand the power of the command. Understand the power of the command. Jesus is responding to the Pharisees here. I want you to understand why that is important, okay? It's so hot in here, and I'm trying to ignore it. And I can just, every time I look at you guys, you look miserable. And I'm sure as you look at me, I look miserable. So we're just going to suffer through together, all right? But the reason why that is important is because, some of you are here, I'm going to, I don't even know if that's going to do anything. Oh, that does something. Yeah, okay. I hate to take that away. I'll be all right. Here, you get, I'll throw, point it to the guys. They're cold. You're cold? What is this? Okay. Um. But when we're talking about Jesus responding to the Pharisees, here's what I want you to see. The Pharisees were not characterized by their love for God, were they? The Pharisees were not known for being these super loving guys that everything that they did, well, I just love God so much. No, the Pharisees were known for doing everything right except loving God. Which means this, for that Pharisee to ask this question, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus to respond and not say, well, you need to have this right, you need to have this in line. I'm sure that that Pharisee asked the question thinking that he was going to get all this affirmation for what he was doing. That he was going to finally hear Jesus Christ, the supposed Messiah, he was finally going to hear him confirm that you guys are doing it all right. But Jesus completely changes avenues or flips the script on it. He says, you need to love God. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he says, if you can't get that right, then it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how you talk. It doesn't matter what you do on the Sabbath. It doesn't matter how you live your life. If you don't love God, then the command doesn't matter. And what we have to understand is this, is that as Christians who, some of you, you've been raised in church all your life, your love for God is not determined by X, Y, Z, command that you follow. 
Your love for God is determined by His love for you. Meaning this, that a good God would not command us to love Him. Or would command us to love Him. Because He knows deep down that it is best for us to love Him. It's beneficial to us. It's not something that benefits Him. Our love for God does not benefit Him. Our love for God purely benefits us as the Christian when we step back and we say, I am loving God for who He is and for what He's done. And so because of that, my obedience to the commands is an overflow of the love that I have for Him. I don't do this to get His love. I don't do this because of His love. I do this because I love Him and therefore everything else is easy. Now here's how that affects your mind is that if you can wrap your mind around your love for God, then it is now a God, it is not a God who is just telling you this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. You should avoid temptation. You should avoid this sin. You should avoid immorality. You should avoid this. You should maybe not be discouraged. You should not be distressed. You should not be this. You should, be, you should trust me. It's not these 613 or how many ever commands are in Scripture. Okay? It is this one command of, I love God, and so everything else I'm just going to figure out. I love God, and so that person that I'm hanging out with that is probably not also loving God and encouraging, encouraging my love for God is probably something and someone that I need to separate from. I love God, and so therefore that TV show that is not encouraging my love for God is not something that God is saying, don't do it, don't look at it, don't watch it. No, that is something that I am stepping back and saying, because I love God, because I know that this is what's best for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to naturally step away from that. I'm going to willingly step away from that. And so understanding the power of the command, and then he says this, not only is it important to understand who he's saying it to, but I want you to notice verse number 40, it's important to understand just how powerful it is, okay? On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. What were the two commands? Love the Lord thy God and love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning this, that what Jesus himself just told this Pharisee is that it does not matter how right you are in everything else. If you don't get this, it's like you don't even get anything else. It's like you don't even understand the point of what you are doing. Okay? Sometimes my son will go and we'll play, we play sports a lot, like, like a lot, a lot at our house, okay? And so he um, automatically assumes that because he's obeying the rules of the game or of the sport, that it means that he doesn't get to lose, okay? So like if we're playing soccer or whatever, and he, and he shoots at the goal, and I block it with my foot, and then I kick it, and like, he do, and like he's chasing after it, and he doesn't handball it, but it goes in, like it, he just he turns around, and he's like, I didn't handball it, I didn't, it's like, Okay, but the goal still counts. Like you don't, I don't think you understand that the, keeping the rules doesn't negate the fact that you stink, okay? Like you lost, all right? 
Like, oh, I didn't do it. The other day, his big thing is, because I've been trying to keep him from handballing it, okay? So I'll kick it right at his face just to make sure that he can, he like doesn't throw his hands up and catch it. So the other day, he, was, he had shot one on me, and he was running back to the goal, and he got back there, and I just took a shot like right at his head. And I mean, it was going right past him, and he moved, and he didn't put his hands up, and I mean, it was like top right corner, like prettiest goal I've ever scored against a six-year-old, okay? And he was like, did you see that? Did you see that? I didn't use my hands. That doesn't count. I was like, yes, it does. Like, what do you mean it doesn't count? And sometimes what we're guilty of doing as Christians is this. Well, God, it doesn't matter about loving you. It doesn't matter about loving my neighbor because look at this. Like, I'm keeping all the rules. I'm keeping all the commands. And here's what Jesus said. You can keep every rule and every command and everybody can elevate you and think that you're great. But if you don't love me and the commands, then you've missed it. If you don't love your neighbor that is right beside you that you can see, then you've missed it. All you're doing is you're playing by the rules and losing the game. You're playing, yes, the right way, but you're not playing to win. And so first of all, understand the power of the command, but then notice secondly, is understand the power of your obedience. Understand the power of your obedience. To understand this, we're going to have to go, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Sometimes when you see the word law, we assume that he is referring to the Ten Commandments, which by the way, I mean, there is, um, he does allude to that uh, as it being the first commandment. But Deuteronomy chapter number 6 is really where the exact wording for this verse comes from. I want you to look at verse number 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5. So as a result of the Lord our God being one Lord, he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. If you will, I know it's hot in here, but give me the opportunity to read down through some of these verses. Maybe follow along with me. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 because I want you to see this, okay? Verse number 6 says this, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house, and on thy gates, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which we swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods and of the gods of the people which are around you, for the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. I want you to notice this, that the power of your obedience is this, is that as you begin to understand that obeying God by loving Him 
Everything else falls into place. Notice the blessings of obedience that the children of Israel get to experience in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. He says that if you'll love the Lord your God and you will keep that as the preeminent thing in your mind, he says when you get to the promised land, you are going to experience an immense amount of blessing. And can I show you something just really quickly that I think is super applicable that maybe does not necessarily apply to this lesson, but is something that I'm seeing in today's society just really quickly? Is that with blessings often come abandonment. Meaning this, that many times the blessings of God often lead us to abandoning God. He says down, and I believe it's verse 14 or 15, he says, Beware lest thou forget God. And how many times does our obedience bring us blessings? Man, I obeyed God and look at, look at the spouse that God gave me. I obeyed God and look at the job that God gave me. I obeyed God and look at this. Or I obeyed God and look at the job that I got. I obeyed God and look at the education that I got. And we get these blessings and all of a sudden, what we used to look at as a blessing of God, we now almost look at it as, well, look what I've earned. Look what I've done. And so we forget God. And here's what I want you to see. Your obedience, your continued obedience to God, just every single day, waking up and saying, Lord, as best as I can, I will obey you today. It is putting your life and telling God, I still love you and I still trust you. Lord, today I want what's best for my life. And so because of that, I'm not going to choose my way. I'm going to choose your way. That is the power of your obedience. And oftentimes with blessings come abandonment, meaning like, well, God, look at where I'm at. Don't need to obey anymore. When that is the exact opposite of how we would res should we respond to God's blessings. God's blessings should be something that it encourages our trust in Him. To where we step back and we say, Lord, look at what you've given me. That causes me to love you more. Lord, you've given, you've taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so the power of the command, the power of your obedience. And then the last thing that I want you to see is this. Understand the power of God's work. Understand the power of God's work. I want you to skip down to Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse number, uh, uh, let's see, verse number 18. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, I want you to see this, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Can I just talk to your heart for just a second, okay? I don't even care if you take notes. I don't care if you necessarily, I do care if you pay attention, okay? But let me just talk to your heart for just a second. 
The passage we just read, here's why it is so powerful. Verse number, I'm not going to step back around and look at it. Verse number 20, I believe. He says, the day will come when your child will say, what mean these testimonies? What mean these statutes? Basically, why do we obey? Okay, probably a good question that we're facing today. He actually gives them the answer, okay? He actually gives them the answer. And I want you to take special note of this. I would encourage you to go back and read Deuteronomy 6 on your own at some point tonight, okay? He doesn't say, we obey because God is scary and God is big. Now, there are hints of that in Deuteronomy 6, but that's not why he says that they obey. In Deuteronomy 6, here's what he says. He says, when your children step back and they say, why do we obey? Why do we follow God? Why do we do what, what God has told us to do? He gives a very powerful answer for them in that context and also for us. He says it is because God has brought us out of Egypt. He says it's because God has kept us alive. He gives him multiple reasons. And if you can almost put yourself in this scenario of a child walking up who's maybe only seen the traditionalism of the, of the Jewish people. And he steps back and he says, why are we doing this? Why are, we, why, are we so grateful for God? why are we so grateful to God? Why do we pray? Why do we do this? Why do we observe Sabbath? Why do we do this? Why aren't we like those people over there? Why aren't we like these people over there? And he says, we do that because of what God has done for us. And can I just be very blunt with you? That sometimes as Christians, we have missed that. Some of you growing up, maybe you asked a parent, maybe you asked a, a pastor or a spiritual leader, and you said, why do we do X, Y, Z? Okay? Why do we do that? And sometimes the answer has maybe been shallow, maybe it has lacked depth, maybe it has lacked understanding, maybe you have been fed the line, well, you just do it because it's what's right to do, okay? Are there hints of that in Scripture? Absolutely they are. But in Deuteronomy 6, we get this beautiful illustration to where a young child walks up to someone who has seen God work. And when the child says, why do we do what we do? He says, we do it because of how much God has done for us and how much he loves us. I want you to look at the wording. I want you to see this, okay? Look at verse number 24. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God. Oh, because he's a bad God, because he's mean to us, because he just wants us all to fall in line and look the part and get in the cookie cutter mold. And that's what God wants us to do. So I, we just do it because it's the right thing to do. We just do it because God says to. We just do it because we're scared of God. Look at the rest of the verse. For God's good always. No. For our good always. Can I just give you maybe a startling truth? Is that your obedience and your disobedience does nothing to an omnipotent God. Your obedience or your disobedience only affects you. Your obedience is not for God's good. God's not wringing his ha hands over every rebellious Christian. God's not wringing his hands because, oh no, this person that I was going to use has fallen into sin. No, here's what our obedience is for it is for our good always that he might preserve us alive 
as it is at this day. I preached a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night. Give me two minutes and I'll be done, okay? I don't know how many of you were in here, but we went through, I believe it was Acts chapter number 19, okay? It's the story of Ephesus, story of when Paul returns to Ephesus and there becomes this big uproar. And you really, in Acts chapter number 18, 19, you get to see how powerful the church of Ephesus is. And one of the things that I tried to pull out in the sermon, I'm not sure that I did a great job of it, but one of the things that I tried to pull out was that by the time you get to, when you're looking at uh, Ephesus in Acts chapter number 18, 19, and even into chapter number 20, of how powerful the church and the Christians and the movement is in Ephesus. And yet by the time you get to Revelation chapter number 2, I believe, Ephesus is the first church that the angel of Revelation addresses. And he gives all of the good that Ephesus has done, but then he gives one bad. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. There's so much that I think we miss out on when we simply (coughs) don't just understand our love for God and His love for us. If we can't get that right, there's no reason why we should expect to grow a big, healthy, strong Christian life. Because the root is missing. And if we're not careful, we will let that root die, we'll cut it off, we'll allow sin to overtake it. But if you can create a life and a mind that fosters an environment of growth for your love for God, here's what I think you'll find. I think you'll find that the Christian life makes so much more sense. I think you'll find that obedience is easy. I think you'll find that your mind begins to be less consumed with this world and all that it can offer and more consumed with God and everything that He is to you. And the goal of restricting and refocusing is to give our minds an opportunity to say, whoa, this is really what I've been missing? Man, I was living an hour and a half on social media, and now I'm spending an hour and a half in God's Word, and whoa! I'm doing this, and now now I'm doing that. That's renewal. That's something that only God can do. And it's not something that we pray and just, well, I hope it happens. No, it's something that we must create an opportunity for it to occur in our lives by saying, I'm going to focus on my love for God because it is a command that is powerful and only a good God who is good enough for me to love and give my life to would command that. I'm going to understand the power of my obedience that when I fail to obey, it's me who misses out on something, not God. But I'm also going to understand that my obedience is not in the context of just do it because it's what's right. It is in the context of do it because of how much God has done for me. And so let's pray and I'll let you guys dive into some discussion and uh, we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.